Commander Rourke. He led the Iceland team that brought the journal back. Milo Thatch. Pleasure to meet the grandson of old Thaddeus. See you got that journal. Nice pictures. <laughs> I prefer a good western myself. Pretty impressive, eh? Boy, when you settle a bet, you, you settle a bet. Well, your granddad always believed you couldn't put a price on the pursuit of knowledge. Well, uh, believe me, this will be small change compared to the value of what we're going to learn on this trip. Yes, this should be enriching for all of us. Attention all personnel. Launch will commence in 15 minutes. Mr. Whitmore. Work. It's time. Bye, Mr. Whitmore. Make us proud, boys. Rig ship for nine. Hi, sir. Rig ship for nine. Lieutenant, take her down. The diving officer, submerge the ship. Make the depth one five zero feet. Make the depth one five zero feet. Nine, nine. Five degrees down the bubble. Take us down. Welcome to Franchise Killer, a podcast where we pick movie franchises or wannabe franchises, review them film by film, and see where things went wrong. All, All right. right. I'm Reese. To my left is... David. Further off to my left... Irina. Across from me... Uh, that old guy whose name I can't remember. Wow. Well, much preparation went into this one, huh, Noah? <laughs> I'm sorry. I forgot his name. I can't think of it. Well, uh, what's your real name? Noah. <laughs> Noah, what's your real name? And his report- name is Cookie. <laughs> And reporting in from a large pocket of air many leagues down in the ocean, we have... AJ. How is it down there? I'm surprised. Uh, the reception sounds pretty good, actually. Yeah, I took that, uh, that like Stargate that. down to Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and today we're talking about Atlantis, The Lost Empire, a film that came out in 2001. is directed by Gary T- uh, Truesdale and Kirk Wise, who also directed as a duo Beauty and the Beast and The Hunchback of Notre Dame. The movie stars, or at least the voice performances, are from Michael J. Fox, James Garner, Cree Summer, Don Novello, Phil Morris, Claudia Christian, Jacqueline Obradors, Florence Stanley, David Ogden Steers, John Mahoney, Jim Varney, Corey Burton, and Leonard Nimoy. Uh, it's like I was the cast of this movie is surprisingly like a bunch of old Hollywood kind of stars. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just found that kind of fascinating. And it, it kind of makes sense for a movie like this. It gives it that mm. older feel just from a you know voice performance standpoint. When Michael J. Fox is your youngest person, I think that you got a really old cast. Well, I actually think Cree Summer's probably younger than him. She did the voice of Kita. Yeah, Maybe. I think Michael J. Fox was like, what, 39 yeah, or something? So, he was almost 40. What year did you say this was? Uh, 2001. I think Jim Varney actually passed away before this was released. Yeah, he. I, I actually think he was relatively young at 50. At I think 50, it was yeah. like lung cancer or something. Yep. It's pretty sad. Yeah, I think they dedicated this film to him, I believe. Oh. And who did he play? Uh, he played, yeah, Cookie. That gruff old... Yeah, Cookie. Uh, he's, that's the guy. Ernest, Ernest Goes to Camp. Ernest, all those Ernest movies. That's who that is. And he was in um, Toy Story as Slinky. He did yeah. Voice yeah. Slinky. But yeah. 
Uh, the movie was written by Tab Murphy, and it's loosely inspired by uh, Jules Verne's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And for those that are new to our podcast, on this podcast we first go over our thoughts on the film before revisiting it for the episode. Then we dive into the story, break it down bit by bit, and talk about the more significant moments. Then towards the end of the show we give our brief reviews and numbered scores, along with an analysis on the health of the franchise and whether or not this film hurt it. You guys, have y'all seen this movie, or had y'all seen this movie before this episode, Irina? Yes, I did. Um, actually, as a child, I'm pretty sure we watched this in theaters uh, growing up. We had to have. It was 2001, right? Yep. So same year as Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, I don't I don't think I actually watched it a lot, though. Yeah. Um, it. It didn't have enough of a draw for my girly brain. It Well, <laughs> I don't think it's just you. I don't think this movie actually had a lot of staying power. When I watched it, it it's hard because it, it feels like it's aimed at a more adult audience, but it's also trying to appeal to the family yeah. as a whole. The, I don't really think it's trying to extremely hard like other disney movies were to appeal right. to all of the kids even though that's it is a disney movie right it, it doesn't hold a lot of staying power for yeah for some reason i don't know uh, david oh yeah i definitely saw this i remember when i saw it too um it was a highly anticipated movie for me when i was a, when i was a child and i know we all remember those mcdonald's toys mm. some I, of the cooler mcdonald's toys probably the best i would argue i always wanted the the little crystal necklace, um, and I got it, and I think I saw this at least twice in theater, so at staying power or not, I was amped for it, and I loved it. Uh, Noah, how about you? Had you seen this movie? Yes, I had seen this one, and I don't remember the first time I saw it, even though I know I saw it when I was young, but I do remember seeing it as an adult. Yeah. AJ? I had not, so I'll be the... What? Ooh, this is the first time for you. All yeah, right. I think that's going to be a trend, this uh, this little string of movies here. These nice. are supposed to be the Dark Horse this series for slightly, un, not unknown, but... Yeah, um, Dark Horse, Black Sheep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Black Sheep, Disney slash DreamWorks movies. Honestly, there's so many of them. When I was mm-hmm. researching this, and I'm still like tempted to slot a couple of them in there. Just <laughs> Reese to... is trying real hard to, to add two more movies. No, I'm, I'm we'll banking see. for Titan AE. That's the one I kind of want to like well, put we'll in there. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll see if get David some allows Don it. stuff, Secret of Nim. Yeah. Oh, oh that man. one's so good. That one too. And uh, honestly, Iron Giant, which I think mm. is a crime that it's not in this mini series of sorts. Sorry, well, guys. Did they want a sequel I, for I that? I think that, that many was movies. standalone. I do think it was a complete and Maybe it is. Well, the thing is, they ended it in a way where the robot was coming back together, so I think they left a little bit of an Easter yeah. egg for a, yeah. a sequel. Yeah, there's I'm always glad potential. There, I kind of, I'm kind of glad there wasn't, though. And the director, Brad Bird's not against doing sequels. He did a sequel to Incredibles, the other mm-hmm. film yeah. that he did. There's I two of those. Like 10 years. I know, but he did it. <laughs> well, and that being said, I'm kind of happy all of these didn't get sequels. In a way, they're, they're like mm. little gems, diamonds it, in the well, rough. This kind of did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we, we don't talk about Atlantis. Uh, and yeah. for my part, I had seen this movie before. However, it's one of those ones that I don't remember a lot from. I almost remember more of the marketing campaign for it than I do the actual movie, yeah. which maybe just shows you how much Disney was banking on this being like the next big thing. Or trying to make it a big thing. Yeah. And that's not to say I didn't like this movie. I just yeah. really had no desire to revisit it. 
Until weirdly like a year ago, I watched it again. That I don't know why. That was me too. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. I was just like, Atlantis, oh yeah, that thing. I'll watch that again. It was uh, a new direction for uh, um, Disney. Yeah. I mean, isn't this their last, or close to their last, actually hand-drawn animated movie? Um, yeah, Princess of. and the Frog there. was their last one. Um, yeah, but that one wasn't, I don't think that was even planned. They kind of mm. revisited and decided. Oh, oh yeah, they thought well, it was dead, and then they decided yeah. to do like one more. What was that? That yeah. was like 2004. 2008 was Eight? Princess and the Frog, I oh, think. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure. And I, as far as what I think, if we exclude that one that kind of just came out of the blue, they intended on it stopping at Treasure Planet. Yeah, And that right. one You're right. um, is uh, one of the main points I was going to bring up. I think we're covering that one last. Well, yeah. yeah. Even up until recently, they were not completely disowning the hand-drawn formula because right. Frozen was going to be hand-drawn, and then like, okay, they guys, scrapped that. I'm just, I'm just going to say it right now. I have so much to say on this, so I don't. I, we should get off this because I want to talk more about this when we get to the Treasure Planet episode. Right. Yeah, it's Treasure a very Planet is point. probably a better place to talk about that. Yeah, yes. yeah. With all that said, let's get into that story. Are y'all ready? Yes. Take me on an adventure. Oh, but first, <laughs> David, you know what you got to do? A call to action. Yeah, let's get it. Hey, I see you right there. Listening on your phone, listening to this podcast. You like movies, don't you? What you need to do is get on your phone and give us that five-star review. You should follow us. And you know what? If you do, I'll give you a pat on the back. No, a virtual won't. pat on the back. Virtual COVID, pat on the back. David. Actually, send David your address. <laughs> no, don't do that. Uh, you will visit in wait, the night. Here, here, here. Won't. Don't, we, we, we won't do <laughs> that. Me out why, don't, why don't we provide David's address? <laughs> <He's> just, <laughs> there you go. You can come, you can to, come him to him and send him a pedal. Send, send us fan mail. <laughs> but yeah, honestly, it would be awesome if you did because we do this for free, uh, almost at a deficit, some would say, and we enjoy doing it, but any sort of help would be greatly appreciated. So five stars on Apple is big. That's uh, honestly our most helpful yeah. thing. Like if you can just give us five stars on Apple, if you have... An Apple device. Leave an us Apple a review account. if you feel mm. like telling us something. I'm on the Instagram. Um, so I'm on the Twitter. Like giving us a DM. Slide in and tell us what you like and what you don't like. Or you and, know. I, and I also apologize for David saying slide in. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no comment. Are you all ready to get into the story? Yes. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Now we've all heard of the legend of Atlantis. Pure fantasy. Well, that is where you'd be wrong. That young thatch gets crazier every year. I can prove Atlantis exists. I'm sure of it this time. Milo James Thatch. I'm acting on behalf of my employer who has a most intriguing proposition for you. It's the Shepherd's Journal. This journal is the key to finding the lost continent of Atlantis. I'll never believe you. I will find Atlantis on my own. I mean, if I have to rent a rowboat. This is exactly what I wanted to hear. But forget the rowboat, son. We'll travel in style. You're going to need a crew. Yes, Mr. Thatch. Well, you'll need engineers and, and geologists. Got them all. The best of the best. Gaetan Moliere, geology and excavation. Audrey Ramirez, don't let her age fool you. The name's Sweet, Joshua Sweet. Medical officer. Vincenzo Santorini. Demolitions. Hey, look. I made a bridge. Tenant, take her down. Diving officer, submerge the ship. Dive! Dive!
A massive tidal wave triggered by a distant explosion threatens to drown the island kingdom of Atlantis. In the midst of an evacuation from the capital city, the Queen of Atlantis is caught by a strange hypnotic blue light and lifted up into the heart of Atlantis, a powerful crystal protecting the city. The crystal consumes her and creates a dome barrier that protects the city's innermost district. She leaves behind her husband, the King of Atlantis, and her younger daughter, Princess Kida, as the island sinks beneath the ocean. Bum, bum, bum. All right, so we have our prologue, I guess, setting up of what has happened to Atlantis. How do y'all feel about this opening sequence here? This is epic. This is a intense way to start a movie. Mm. And I heard that originally this wasn't even supposed to be the intro. They had a whole other thing they completely animated and yeah, the voiced Viking, over. Vikings and exactly. Whatnot. Dude, the book. I would have loved to see some Vikings. And I guess mm. someone said uh, to the directors that it, it was too far off from the movie. Kind of, It strayed too far and it was taking too long. And they're like, start with Kida. And then once they said that, the directors were like, he's right. We have to. I guess and that so, makes sense, though. Like, it, it would be a little weird to try and throw in Kida in the middle without knowing exactly. who this lady is, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I, I did read it, but wasn't there something about the Viking plot that the story was starting to take a turn where the Viking plot no longer made sense with, you know, uh, uh, Milo's goal or the expedition's goal. Yeah. Well, I think the only the, connection was Iceland and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, well, the book itself, which, what was the book's name again? Does anyone Shepherd's here remember? Journal. Shepherd's mm-hmm. Journal. Yeah. The whole point of that was that it got tossed around from place to place so i think it made its way around the world and at one point it was, it was in iceland pretty well preserved for yeah. something that was tossed around so much well it's funny because the, the originally the art direction was supposed to be more scroll like and they uh, were trying to have something that was more old like well he's can't he's carrying this around a lot it's been tossed around in all these yeah. places it has to be a little sturdy so yeah. they kind of changed the design to be this more intense book well yeah. i like the way they thought through that then so, so since this is an animated film and we haven't been introduced to our main character yet, I think this is a good time to talk about the art design, actually. Mm. I think this movie has a... It, it, it looks... It's very unique mm-hmm. compared to the other Disney Angular. films. Like, yeah. Yet, it does look Disney, especially in the expressions of the characters and how they're animated. But a lot of the smooth edges are squared off. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's actually... They took inspiration from Mike Mignola. I think that's how you say his name. Yeah. Who did the the Hellboy series? Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, and he was apparently involved totally in a lot that. of the the designs in this movie, and it it really does show. Right. And it, one of the the most evident signs of it being, you know, a Mike Mignola type thing is the the hands. When yeah. You look at the hands. They're how squared, squared off. Oh, yeah. They are. Mm-hmm. The the nails are triangles. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think this movie has a very unique look, and it's uh, one of its main selling points. Yeah. It's also the heavy use of shadow. Oh, yeah. They they toned toned it back a little bit, but yeah, if you see some of his original concept art, he did the cover for the when it went to comic form. But yeah, he had it up and they collaborated with him for that style of it. Uh, Yeah, I do think it was the right choice for this to go with something that is stylistically different from all of the other Disney films because the content of this film kind of asks for something different in yeah. my opinion. And it's really weird to think of this as, as yeah, one of the, the main, this, they were, this Disney wanted this to be their next big movie. And it's so, so I don't know if they necessarily wanted it to, I mean, I'm sure they always want. No, their, they did. Their, they, they, I, I guess they, even they were making a theme park 
a like a a ride maybe revolving I, around this I, thing. I think that they were expecting something different because it was such a passion project from their I, w- I want to say their A team of uh, animators, right? So this is a, a team. I don't know if we talked about it, but there was the the team of animators that got through uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah, and they decided that they wanted to come up with a project, and so I think. Maybe they pitched it really well, and maybe focus groups did really well with it, and that's why. But I thought that it, they kind of just gave them the thumbs up to do whatever they wanted to do. I don't know. It didn't seem like the process was the same well, they, as all the other Disney movies. No, they, they pumped a lot of money into this. I think they the directors had built up some trust with Disney, with both, especially Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Like, that, it's one of Disney's biggest hits, like, yeah. undisputed. That's one of, like, their, I want to say, top three or five at well, least you mean mm-hmm. most profitable yeah well no. i was gonna say like i i wouldn't put and it in my top critical, three but and critical there are a lot of people that would put beauty and the beast up at number one okay, okay you're right no. they're returned yeah. to form in terms in terms of uh, awards yes yeah. yeah that was a you're right that one was a big oscar player not i don't know if it was up for best picture because i don't think any animated movie ever is nominated for best picture I but it definitely soundtrack was on there soundtrack i i bet you animation it was, it, i think it won animated picture that year i wouldn't doubt it but yeah i think there was a lot of faith in this duo of directors to you know bring this movie in and bring in the big bucks you know the marketing campaign was huge uh but yeah do y'all have any other comments on the opening to this film? Yeah, I I think I'll just agree here and say that it, it did feel kind of like they were trying to give the this new branding of animation, you know, bringing in the new century and having something different, more mm-hmm. dynamic and uh, breaking away from that and having sort of a revival. But it didn't quite pan out mm-hmm. that way, I think, even though I that that is one of the things that I is a highlight for this film is the change in style. I always love to see animation kind of play around a little bit in yeah. expression. And they did that with Hercules too. Yeah. Hercules like. was extravagant though. Like that one, yeah. that one has all sorts of swirls and angles in mm-hmm. the bodies. It's really interesting yeah. like, to look at it closely. It almost looks like Hercules almost has like a, a 2D look to it. And mm-hmm. and that's probably what they intended because it's like, these are all 2D, obviously. Uh, uh, actually, this has some 3D animation yep. in it, but for the most part, 2D. But uh, Hercules but, was probably trying to mimic sort of what you would see on vases, like that yeah, 2D. Yeah, that, that's what, exactly yeah, what I was thinking. Exactly. Yeah. As far as the 3D animation goes, uh, this is what, uh, this is one of those movies similar to Treasure Planet, where they were trying their best to find that perfect middle ground between 2D animation and 3D. And I think they were using what was called Deep Canvas, mm-hmm. where you can sort of mix them together. And their goal was to make a perfectly seamless movie where you couldn't even tell the 3D when it was there. And I got to say, they did a pretty good job with it. I would yeah. say 75% yeah. successful. Yeah, yeah, you can still see it, but it's in a way where it blends in with its environment still. There's a difference but it feels like it's in the same location. Aside from little moments, there are small moments that just you you can really tell it's different. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It, yeah. It. There's nothing like inexcusably bad when it comes right. to the CGI 3D. But there's certainly moments, especially when the that dome mm. comes up. It's mm-hmm. like that, that's an obvious like CG that it looks the rendering looks not great. Right. But 
other than that, it's it's yeah. an animated movie. I'm not going to criticize yeah. it too hard. It's not seamless, and they're smart about what they decide to use it for. Yeah. All right, let's move on. There was, wasn't much to talk about there other than right. the, the visuals and the, everything that sets mm. up the story, but... Several thousand years later, in 1914, Milo Thatch believes that he has found the Shepherd's Journal, an ancient manuscript allegedly containing directions to the Lost Island. After his proposal to search for the journal is rejected by the museum board, a mysterious woman, Helga Sinclair, introduces Milo to Preston B. Whitmore, an eccentric millionaire. Whitmore has already funded a successful effort to retrieve the journal as repayment of a debt to Milo's late grandfather and recruits Milo to lead an expedition to Atlantis as soon as he deciphers it. All right, so Michael J. Fox is Milo. How do we feel about this this main character? Love it. I actually, I really like his voice. I like his mm. he, his voice acting. It really works. Yeah, he's like kind of a, a more intelligent Cusco. Yeah. Not nearly as zany, but like the, I think their vocal levels are like on the yeah. same. Yeah, you know, they're timbre. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm gonna. I have one nitpick mm-hmm. with the animation here, it, and it's with his character and some of the others. I, I it feel like it might be the same as mine, but go okay, ahead. I feel like they're too animated. Yeah, uh, like it's the movements that they're making their face make are a little too extreme for yeah. the vocal performance. Like it's like over calculating it. I I can't describe it really. I know just, what you mean, but it's. I I think for for me something I was noticing too. And I don't know why this is, but uh, same to you. I think there are just, there's a lot happening that your eye can't really keep up with. Mm -hmm. But it's almost like they're jumping between expressions a little too quickly. Maybe that's it. But then there are other moments where it's like they slow down movements Mm -hmm. a little too much. So it's, it's a little jostling seeing them go back and forth. Yeah. So it you you feel like you have to look at these characters from a distance sometimes in order to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's a little too much. <laughs> yeah. It, it's it almost comes off as kind of like the animation is a bit over the top, almost it like is. they're showing off a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Like it's like look at all these expressions that we can convey yeah. when all you needed was something a little more subtle. Yeah. Well, very sharp poses too, like yeah. with the angles of their bodies, and then there are very strong like contrapposto forms yeah. a lot of the time. So, and I yeah. get that that's like maybe they're thinking that this story is a little less interesting for kids, and they're just mm. trying to play up, you know how extreme the performances are i don't i also i wouldn't doubt that it has to do with the fact that they were inspired by older movies and older cartoons Mm -hmm. the idea for this was to go back to an older form Mm -hmm. if i remember correctly they were all trying to replicate these older animated movies that inspired them to get into animation and i wonder like i can imagine back then over animating the facial expression so people could understand what they were doing and so maybe it came from that i don't know i i agree i think Especially what Irina said is like some scenes are like they look great, and then the next scene looks like it's a sketch off the storyboard. Um, yeah. And and what you're talking about is it's almost like an uncanny valley kind of just unnervingness where there's too much detail and it doesn't line up with their vocals. I think I even right. paused a couple frames where Milo's mouth is like in three different places at once, like <laughs> trying to they're trying to push too much detail through you know too few frames. Right. And um, yeah. But then, like, the next scene, it's, like, everything's sketch level. So I, I get that animation concern that you have as well. Yeah. Yeah, and, and on on the whole, I do think it's mostly pretty well done. 
there are just certain instances where I'm like, okay, th- there's a there's a disconnect here. Yeah. Like it's not like I, I watched. Um, oh my gosh, what are, I was I started watching Tarzan right after this one, and they had the A team on Tarzan. Like yeah. the mm. just the way the animation is synced with the vocals. It's right. the performances are aligned. Whereas in this one, it's like they're just slightly off. Like yeah, uh, Tar- think, Tarzan yeah. was very smooth. This yeah. was sure. the A team though. This was like the I, team. Yeah, well, the well, the AAA team. <laughs> the, uh, honestly, I bet those were the people that were trying to prove themselves, kind of like the Lion King crew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, do we think Milo's motivations to find Atlantis are played up well enough? Like his Good relationship with his grandfather, and like I, I feel like it's very quick. Yeah, like it, they run through it very quickly, and then suddenly we we're on the expedition. I uh, think um, for me, I I think it makes sense. I I would like a little more pushback, you mm-hmm. know, as far as him trying to reach this goal. Because yeah, it seemed very convenient yeah. that he found himself in this situation, which is fine because All you right, have an guys. animated film and you need to condense it because that's a lot of work. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I Irina just kind of said it, but this is an animated movie so and kids for animated movies uh, it's better than a lot of others mm-hmm. do you I feel agree. like he earned what his results were in the beginning did he work for it i think that he they showed enough of his intelligence and where he's been now i do agree they could have done more but they did do more the thing is they took it out and that mm-hmm. was because people complained about it being too long and so that's where a lot of it came i think they said that when they originally got through even the storyboard phase, the the first two or three acts was almost an hour and a half. And that was just the first like beginning mm-hmm. part of the movie. Before they mm-hmm. even get to Atlantis, it was almost the movie length. And mm-hmm. so they were told to cut back. And I think a lot of that was the beginning. Yeah. I, yeah. I'll say that I think they set him up fine for yeah. everything. I mean, it, it's, it's always good to have more. But, I never questioned it. But as animated movies, they show like what his interest is. And it's clear. Like they do that little flashback with him being really yeah. young and he's like Which all excited really about like his uh atlantis or what, whatever it was that his dad was showing yeah. him it's a um there's a scene that comes up later and it really frustrates me because um i'll just bring it up now even though we're not here but he's finally starting to kind of explain what happened you know with his parents to kita mm-hmm. but he completely cuts off that story and then says like wait you're like a hundred years old and i'm like i wanted, no, I wanted to, to know more about you yeah. 8800 yeah 8000 yeah oh whatever so but no think, you're, you're totally right there's some now in, in it's to its credit like david alluded to this is a completely intentional departure from the past decade of disney the renaissance disney renaissance that all of us grew up with Right. Um, in this group where you have, you know, a character development of internal struggle, finding their identity. Um, whereas this is basically they wanted it to be an episodic adventure saga a la Raiders or Journey to the Center of the Earth, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So Reese's original question of his motivation, it's not about him, so to speak, for what we're used to from Disney under Katzenberg. He really pushed that. Uh, right. And I think all of us grew accustomed to that. And I recognized that myself, that's what I wanted to see from him. And us not getting that is disappointing. Right. But it's a different type of movie to their credit. Right. And they did that on purpose. Uh, right. I think they could have done more because you still need character development 
and their wants versus their needs and having an internal struggle. And I didn't get that in this movie. Uh, right. Yeah. But you still have to frame it in, I guess, what the intention uh, was. That might be the adult nature Reese was talking about earlier, where we're so used to that journey that this doesn't match it, makes it feel like an adventure adult movie. Yeah. Right. So on paper, I get the motivation. They did the legwork to establish that he he wants to carry on, you know, what is his grandfather's work or his father's work. I, I forget. It was a grandfather, right? Yeah, it was a grandfather. Yeah. But I didn't feel the emotion or heart of it. Yeah. Right. So I'm watching this character from, and I'm like, I'm, I'm like, yeah. I get it, but I'm not exactly rooting for okay, him. Okay, so I'm, I'm just gonna interrupt here because I don't think you're supposed to be feeling about his grandfather. You don't. You're not. No, supposed I'm not to saying I want to feel about his grandfather. I, I just want them to sell this character yeah. more as some someone that you should the care only, yeah. what happens no, well, to the, him. He's supposed to be nice and he's supposed to be intelligent and yeah. he has to seem like the person who can go on this adventure. You don't have to yeah. be like super invested. I don't. No, I don't I think, think it's that, that hard. I think it would have helped. This is the thing that um, happens with animated movies like you let's take an example um like we mentioned hercules before you with a movie you have to make the main character's problems your problems yeah his don't really transfer that well because all of this happens so quickly Mm -hmm. which isn't that big of a deal i don't mind that but he doesn't really have enough pushback yeah he's you don't get to see him for who he is a lot of it is just explaining who these other characters are and he's just a nice guy yeah thrown in the mix what they could have done is sorry they could have played up this this underdog element to where he's like he's always kicked to the curb which they do in the beginning yeah. but then you're expecting this big like development of character in this hero moment at the end which yes on paper there's that hero moment at the end but it's not like acknowledged really right like i'm not like Oh yeah, heck yeah, Milo, you yeah. did it. He didn't it's more just like overcome an internal fault right. or flaw yeah. or character, you know, character flaw. And I think um what also doesn't help his lack of character is his counterpart, Kita, where I almost wanted yeah. to see this uh in kind of Mad Max Fury Road, where right. Mad Max is the point of view character, but it's actually about Furiosa. And so exactly. I wanted this story to be about Kita which I think it's supposed to be, but we don't get enough of her um, through that the lens I agree of Milo. With completely. Yeah. That's, that's my yeah. biggest complaint with this movie is the fact that Kida is supposed to be the main character yeah. and they didn't really develop her all that much. They, It's like they, they kind of did. They gave her um, a mystery to solve, but they, yeah, you don't really get to know her really as a person. Yeah, she's yeah. the one that's I supposed think, to be growing and developing yeah. and maturing. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about Kida in our next section here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we really... Sorry. <laughs> no, we, we dragged uh, Milo through the mud. But I, I, I'm actually cool with Milo. He's fine. Yeah. I, I'm, I just think because of him, this movie isn't a one of Disney's best. It's just good. Yeah. Like, it, it could have been better. Also, just to, to add one last little bit that you can, you know, think about later. The whole point of the movie i heard from the animators was that they or the directors was that it's supposed to be more about the adventure along the way they originally mm-hmm. had even more monsters and more of that yeah. intro uh, that I they had to fight against more. and yeah. then they were told it takes too long to get there and so they were like all right we're going to boil it down to his journey with 
all these people and right. their relationship along uh, the way. So let's, I was uh, going to say I was watching it as a adventure movie and let, I was less focused on the main character as the thing. I was more interested in the group. where they right, were going right. and what they were doing mm-hmm. rather yeah. than So let's get him. to the adventure then. Yeah, what, yeah. Yeah, what David not. just said, I want us to keep that on the back burner for... Because, I mean, that I think that's a big point that carries right. out through the whole movie. Yeah. 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 All right. The expedition departs with a team of specialists led by Commander Rourke, who also led the Journal Recovery Expedition. The crew includes Vinny, a demolitions expert, Mole, a geologist, Dr. Sweet, a medical officer, Audrey, a mechanic, Mrs. Packard, a radio operator, and Cookie, a mess cook. They set out in the Ulysses, a massive submarine, but are soon attacked by the monstrous Leviathan, a robotic lobster-like creature that guards Atlantis' entrance. The Ulysses is destroyed by Milo, Rourke, and part of the crew escape and make their way to a cavern, described in the journal as the entrance to Atlantis. I really like this section. I like Mm. getting to know the people. This is the best part of the movie. Mm -hmm. I think the midsection, this is, this, it, it accomplishes that goal of being this, this expedition to Atlantis right. where you see a monster, they, they run into, you know, certain problems. There's, you know, you encounter the unknown, there's discovery, and that's that's fun. I like the adventure portion of this movie. And I, I was honestly fantasizing about, like, oh, it'd be cool if, if Indiana Jones had, like, an Atlantis yeah, movie. Yeah, that would or, be Or some cool. sort of... I, I don't know how that would work or right. how you would ever get... Indiana Jones to go in a submarine and go to it. I don't know Atlantis. if you can get him into a refrigerator and fight aliens. Well, yeah, but I hate that did not work. He didn't <laughs> fight aliens. He did something with aliens. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, that, yeah. I was like, that, I love that too open ended. Uh, Dropping it. But yeah, I I do enjoy this part of the movie. I think yeah. it saves the film, and I'm I'm kind of of two minds on this movie. I think it's. I, I admire its ambition of doing something different than other Disney movies do, but I'm also I also want to chastise it for not being its best possible self. Uh, but this middle portion, I think, fully realizes the potential of what it was going for, whereas right. the front end and the back end don't as much. Right. Uh, I don't know if y'all agree. Yes. Um, I I agree definitely. I I think the. This was probably the highlight of the film, and it's the adventure aspect. The anticipation. Mm. Yeah, it's the anticipation. And uh, the thing is, honestly, when you get to Atlantis, there's not much that happens. I'm so disappointed with actual the Atlantis portion. Yeah. yeah. It's it's kind of bland. Yeah. We spend <laughs> most of it underwater. But speaking and of bland, not- I mean, I, I wanted more of this adventure, each trial that right. they go through. And, you know, looking back, I, I can't actually remember each adventure that they went through on their way there. Yeah. So the thing is, they didn't. They have a montage, essentially. And then they have the campfire scene where he finally kind of becomes part of the group. And he's chased by fireflies. Yeah, the fi- literal fireflies. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the thing is, like, I so someone, I think it was David, you brought up the fact that they cut out a lot of the monsters because it took too long to get to Atlantis. Well, that's when you incorporate, like you show these, um, I guess, natives coming, investigating the camp. You you need some sort of middle part yeah. where you're introduced to some of these people. Kita could be one of them and they just don't know who she is yet. 
We need cocoa. But yeah, you need you need like a little bit of a middle here before you actually finally get to the crowning jewel, which is supposed to be Atlantis. Like that's yeah. you can have a little more adventure along the way with new people and build up. Yeah, yeah too. The, like you said, the the culmination is fi- actual the discovery of what you were yeah. there for the whole time while enjoying the adventure, the the journey, you know, along the way. There are definite parts of this that are way too compressed. Right. Uh, from a time timeline. Yeah. I Even though this movie is your standard, like, hour and a half for an animated movie, this is one of the ones I would have been like, guys, go for it. Do right. do the full two hours. Let's They really put in tried. The extra they just got the, no, they I got know. the pushback. Man. I know. I, and I well, understand. Disney operates under just, yeah, your movie's got to be 90 minutes. You got to get the people in and out. They got to have a really fun, quick time and then get as much show times in during mm-hmm. the day as you can mm-hmm. make the movie short. Uh, I, but I think what would have helped is maybe paring down, you know, a few of the dirty dozen here where right. we don't get to know any of them really all that well. And they all just have this sudden change of heart later on. That's right. You know, just 180 degrees. That, yeah, get rid of mole. Yeah. yeah. Mole, I, yeah I'm so done with mole. <laughs> our, our attention is spread way too thin across multiple things. We don't actually get to, you know, stop and smell the roses on any one thing. Yeah. So, try to cut down some characters that we're supposed to be trying to learn about, um, but also allow us to enjoy adventure. They're just spreading our attention way too thin. So in a way, I would say they were overly ambitious um, because even before this, they had even more main characters. They actually, they took multiple characters out of the movie. Yeah. um, And, even then, so you're they right. had a Hobbit problem. Just too many, too many dwarves. Well, they, they, I think they all had this idea of what they wanted, and it was supposed to be this masterpiece. But they probably had more restrictions than than they could work with with yeah. what they had in mind. All right, right, so let's let's talk about our crew here. Which ones do we like? Which ones we do we not like? I personally think, honestly, Commander has to be in there. The yeah, definitely. Tiberius Rourke, he's the villain. Your typical square-jawed villain. I, I thought like Tarzan and yeah, uh, Gaston when I saw yeah. this guy. Tommy Just, Lee Jones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also like Cook a lot. I like the. Cookie. I like, I like the, 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 the doctor. Elder, the, the chain-smoking old. I bird. actually, honestly, I like Helga. I think they're yeah. with a villain. It is nice to have kind of a sidekick yeah. who's no, she's good too. on the same level, but not quite as crazy as them. Sometimes, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Still yeah. have that human, you know concern right. but then also you know illustrate that betrayal that yeah, you know so they turn on just, each other yeah that was an interesting addition yeah so mole can go is basically yes. I, I love yeah, mole i i, I remember oh, when yes, we were sweet. watching it i said i i hate mole like i that was the only thing i remembered was that i hate mole <laughs> like yeah. he's literally like that him. character where you're he seems like the character that you know, they didn't want to put in, but Disney was like, you need, like, more You need humor. someone goofy. You need, goofy <laughs> you need someone element. funny. <laughs> and on. I don't know if that's actually we what happened. We had the sweet moments where he said, fill these two jars up, and he spits out his water. He's like, what? Yeah. what? Well, Honestly, oh, you're talking about sweet. Well, yeah. this, no, is one of those, this, is, this is one of the few Disney movies where there's not, like, a little animal sidekick. Yeah. So I feel like he's, like, the stand-in for the little animal yeah. sidekick. The, 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 no, he's just, just a pervy, dirty French guy. Yeah. I. <laughs> Who likes to dig in the ground? His nickname is Mole. So he is the the animal. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. he is. So Uh, He sucks, though. Yeah, Sweet the Doctor is probably the most human character in in the movie completely. I love him. Me too. He's the surrogate for the voice of reason for everything. Like, still, like, going after the money and, like, practical aspects of the the expedition. Mm -hmm. But 
Yeah, and as much as I like uh, Varney, I think that you know Cookie is just too there for no reason. And right. I, I feel I like a lot of this cast and the big names was this typical Disney ever since you know Aladdin that they're like, yeah, we got to get names as the drawing power to get yeah. the older audience in to come see this movie. Right. Um, mm. Which is they've they've stepped away from in, in later times, but. Um, I think that's part of the reason. Yeah, let's just get this ensemble cast, and so we get the adults to to watch the movie too, and bring their kids and all that stuff. But yeah, it, it, there's definite people they can pare down and not yeah. be for the detriment of the movie. Yeah, I do want to talk quickly. We kind of didn't give it a much, much attention, but I wanted to talk about the Leviathan sequence. Oh, that's so cool! How much did y'all like this? I, I, I thought it was it. pretty well executed. It, mm. it kind of reminded me of. Uh, Star Wars: The Phantom Menace, that moment where they're yeah. exiting the Gungan city. There's always City. a bigger commander. fish. Yeah, always a bigger fish. Yeah. Commander. <laughs> I love that part. Commander. I, really, I really like that. Her too. <laughs> something on the megaphone. Yeah, it was eerie, and I think that was one of the scenes where we saw Magnolia's influence the most. Where you have the yeah. the ship graveyard or all the you know the skeletons of the yes. wreckage on the bottom of the ocean, the heavy yes, contrast and shadows. That oh, yeah. that was a good scene. It was. Actually, I, I kind of wish it was longer. Yeah, me too. I, well, yeah, I do. Okay, here's a point that um, I wanted to bring up because the I, I ended up watching this twice, but uh, the second time around, I was really trying to pay attention to the music. And do any of y'all feel that the music just didn't really work with what was happening? I I actually kind of liked the music. No, I, I, I like it because I love this uh, composer, but um, especially with the action sequences, mm. I, with this, they're... I felt like I wanted more rising tension yeah. with the beast. Tension. That's, yeah. That's a good point. The whole movie, the, I mean, I think that the Leviathan was the almost the only point where you feel like they're in danger. Like tension is very lacking in this movie, and I'm glad you brought yeah. that up. Yeah. So, the, the, so the, the, the thing, music was, sorry, sorry, go ahead. The music was done by James Newton Howard. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and I agree with you now in hindsight, it is a mostly like triumphant yeah. score yeah. where the main theme is very positive, optimistic. And you're right, Irina. There's there's no like kind of, you know, impending doom no. to or, any of or the Or even score really mystery. Like there isn't that yeah. sense that you're supposed to be feeling in yeah. the scene. All yeah, all I hear is that main theme where it's like da, 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 da. Yeah, it's like if yeah, you're there taking are literally it from people dying. <laughs> yeah. And actually I think this for a long time this was the highest death count of any animated movie. Yes. <laughs> I think it still is. Yeah, and like there is a scene in the the submarine where they're like closing off hatch doors. They literally show one guy get cut off like yeah. I, I literally took a video of this and like sent it to somebody. It's like this is a Disney movie. Like the <laughs> the rating like said just watch out for some, you know, usage of tobacco. No one told me that I was going to see someone die in this movie like I know. Yeah, D- David and I were actually having a little argument over what was the most deadly movie and i was like no it's got to be like mulan right because all the huns get covered by that snowstorm well not yeah. to mention Avalanche. how many towns they ravaged and like it's implied mm, that yeah. they killed children yeah. but this too. was like an entire civilization atlantis yeah took the cake for sure <laughs> yeah yeah back to what Irina is saying is you're spot on with the score doesn't help with the tension at all because it's all positive like we said and it's like if you're you know, looking at the adventure story of Raiders of the Lost Ark, like you have the Raiders March, which is really pompous and elevated and everything, and it drives the energy. But then you also have, right. you know, like say 
uh, from the second movie, the minecart scene, mm-hmm. and it's just like everything's hectic and you like I remember that da 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 like everything just really drives yeah. the tension. Yeah. And uh, this movie, like, it's just trying to keep it everything happy-go-lucky, even while they're supposed to be in danger. Well, the the directors, uh, Truesdale and Wise, were originally, like, their original plan for this movie was to be darker, more adult. Not necessarily, like, PG-13. They were still going to keep it PG. But tonally, it was supposed to be different than anything Disney had ever done. And I still think it is. Right. But throughout the process of making this movie, they, you know, shed some light on how... Uh, the edges were sanded off throughout the development process and how That's it just really became yeah, it just became this different thing than what was originally intended. Uh, I don't think they actually thought it was all for not like, yeah, like I yeah. think they were still happy with the final product, but this was supposed to be something different. And right? I'm curious. This movie changed a lot. Yeah. Then one lacking thing that is very obvious is there are no, there's no singing in this movie. For oh, Disney yeah. movie, there's no, there's no song. This is what I want. This is who I want to be. Um, right. Like we don't have that expository solo or any any yeah. singing. No no musical aspect of this. And I think maybe that's where they're trying to with the score. Maybe say, okay, we still got to be a little Disney and mm-hmm. keep things positive. Right. But Do you know I'm what the sure. main quote of the the makers when they were making this was? Yeah, they had T-shirts. They had t-shirts that fewer songs, more explosions. That yeah. was the actual <laughs> motto when they were making this movie. They wanted an adult. Uh, Disney movie, I think. Yeah. <laughs> think <laughs> Although I wouldn't a- say like more explosions is the solution to making this better. I think what? that's what they want an adventure movie with lots of action, and that's what right. that, that was their mo. To yeah. be fair, they didn't have the Michael Bay hindsight at that time. Yeah, that we now <laughs> yeah. know True. is bad. I True. I actually I'm really happy they decided not to do any musicals, but I I'm, yeah. I think that's a good idea. I, I don't think you have to have musicals in a Disney movie. They might feel, I don't know, Disney's at this point where they're, I feel like they're a, they're scared to break mm-hmm. with tradition. Yeah. They're so scared. And that's because they're really, really big. And, and everything what they the do gold, is such a golden huge impact. Or Silver Age of Disney. I don't know what this yeah. is referred to as like the so, tail end of. Golden Age was the 90s, I believe. And then. No, then that's when the you, Disney Renaissance. The, oh, I thought the Renaissance had a. Um, oh no! You, no, is eighty nine? This is how. This is how big Disney is. They have their own artistic movements. That's yeah. like the, literally. So, the, the thing is, though, this falls in this weird zone. The early two thousands was a weird Disney zone, and we're kind of covering most of those actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it's actually a lot of Katzenberg, the departure of Katzenberg, Don Bluth. I mean, there's a lot of political, like politics, drama. Different right. eras, big names that like really influenced the direction of the company across all the spectrums of their divisions and stuff like that. So right. um, it's, you know, me researching into all that stuff and I knew some of it, but it's interesting because you see a cartoon and then you don't really know all the story behind it. I'm, right. I just, you made me realize something, AJ. You said Katzenberg left around this time, right? Yeah, he left in 94. Uh, I think Lion King was the last one he was fully in on. Uh, he had a sp- kind of a rift with uh, Eisner. Uh, exactly, yeah. So Katzenberg, but to my knowledge. But he went to DreamWorks, right? He created DreamWorks after that with Spielberg. And then Don Bluth was another big one that was on and off with Disney, made his own company. Um, and then he also joined with Spielberg for like the American Tale and Land Before Time. So, Land Before Time. I need Classic. to watch that one again. It's That's so good. <laughs> it's still good. 
Uh, let, let's move on with that plot. We're still kind of in the middle of it here. After traveling through a network of caves and a dormant volcano, the team reaches Atlantis. They are greeted by Kida, who despite her age resembles a young woman, and discover that the Atlantean language is the basis of many existing languages. Kida enlists Milo in helping her decipher the Atlantean writing, which was long forgotten by the natives. By swimming deep within the, the city's submerged ruins and translating underwater murals, Milo helps Kida uncover the nature of the heart of Atlantis. It supplies the Atlanteans with power and longevity through the crystals worn around their necks. He is surprised this is not mentioned in the journal, but upon examination realizes a page is missing. Whoa. I find it so funny that this guy Milo is just able to come into Atlantis and just figure out all their problems for them. <laughs> like, get, mm. I That was actually another one of my issues was yeah. the fact that they've been there for almost 9,000 years. Not a single person there was capable of just kind of like going through this yeah. and figuring things out. Putting like, it all together. Or yeah. it's like would, putting their own ancient speak, language I would, together. I, <laughs> I think the only, the only thing I could possibly make an excuse for is that the king absolutely forbid it. Like, that's yeah. the only like thing. Like, he didn't want them but to discover the... Honestly, this doesn't feel like a place where anything has been hugely enforced. They're kind of just... Chilling. Chilling. Yeah. For, like, with like their what ruins. what were they doing? There's something that was, <laughs> yeah. like, totally locked down. Oh, there's just some, you know, old turn-to-stone flying vehicle just laying around there. Just walk by it. But you're right. Exactly. It's like, I think, David, the term you're looking for is a, not a plot hole, but a plot contrivance where... All these people, for like you said, almost nine thousand years, they can speak all languages of the earth, but they can't read. And then yeah. suddenly <laughs> had some, you know, scrawny white kid come and oh, I can read all this for you and save you. Also, and, like, it, it's kind of insulting to Kita's intelligence that she had eight thousand what years to work on discovering how to manipulate or, or use this vehicle, and then Milo comes in and is like, "Well, did you try doing this and this together?" Yeah. See, there you go. Well, the thing was, she's like, I did that. I did that. I guess, did you try turning it? It's like, oh, no, I never tried putting it in and turning it. Whoops. <laughs> now, here's a, a thing that was interesting to me that is really over, overlooked from what you see in the movie, but it's a really cool, like, detail of the technical background and, and the effort that these people went into producing it. Like, they actually had a, a, a very famous linguist create a full language, the Atlantean language. He actually... Mm -hmm created and writ wrote like the runes based it on uh, i think proto-indo-european which is a big root for most languages that we know now that you know share some right. similar cognates and roots and stuff and that's why things seem similar like he basically took that and adapted it to make something that was plausible in real life for you know, I, I think he did, to speak i think he also did a lot of work on the the star trek uh yeah klingon languages. he made klingon yeah, oh, that is that's so, so cool. cool. Mm. Yeah, I love I, I that. I was wondering throughout this movie, like, okay, is this just gibberish, or did someone actually do the work and you know create a basic language? Yeah, and it's actually and the guess, opposite of Klingon. Klingon is supposed to sound very foreign, very different, and then Atlantean here is supposed to be like have the common denominator of everything. Yeah, right. That is so it, cool. He did a really good job because I do remember listening to the language and thinking this actually doesn't sound like nonsense. It does sound like they're speaking. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So now that we're at Atlantis, David, I understand you've been doing some research on Atlantis. <laughs> oh, now we're doing this. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to uh, throw you in there. But before we do that, we'll talk about this movie's interpretation of Atlantis and, and 
you know, how it appears on screen and how it works. Uh, Almost as good as SpongeBob. But after that, David <laughs> yeah. David has gone deep on some conspiracy okay. type stuff. <laughs> yeah, wait. But, look, first, hold on. Let me let me help with the transition here because I want to say we're. I think we should talk about Atlantis origin and then dive into it. Okay. Well, okay. Um, conspiracies okay. or theories. Uh, yeah. I would argue theories, but yeah. because no one has investigated it, it's going to be conspiracy. No, they've investigated. All right. If you don't like deep Atlantis conspiracy theory talk, you can fast forward in your you know, podcast app, but you should listen to David here because yeah, I'm sure this is going to be... On. Before we get into me, I was going to have Irina give a little bit of a brief oh, wait, history what? of Atlantis. And then oh. I was going to dive off of that into my conspiracy theory. Okay. That, they're connected. So <laughs> preface this to everyone that um, we here are not experts. If you want to look into this on your own, please do. But uh, we do a little investigating of our own. So Atlantis was... Basically, a place created or given to Poseidon, which he peopled with by procreating with an actual human woman. Hmm. And um, he ended up having 10 sets of twin sons. The first set of twins, he took the oldest, (laughs) and that oldest is the king of Atlantis. His name was um, Atlas, Mm. and therefore Atlantis. But it was essentially um a location where they had plentiful resources and they were particularly known for mining and uh purifying alloys and things like that so Mm. um that's that's essentially it all came from plato who wrote about it and before plato he learned of this from someone named Solon who learned about that from Egyptian priests. So like, other than that, there isn't a whole lot of written work about it that we know of. Kind of a little bit of phone tag throughout the centuries. Yeah. Okay. Right. Francis so, Bacon. I, I like, we're doing the evolution here. <laughs> Irina's that, and now we're going right. to David's conspiracy, and then we'll get to the movie. <laughs> oh, well, and I actually have a transition for that because I know where they got the idea from for this movie. All right. That being said, this is, where the actual city of Atlantis is now, okay? Debate it. All right, so. Debate it. <laughs> I'm just going to start with where it's at. I believe it's at the recot structure in the Sahara Desert in Mauritania. As also, he reads off his phone. I took notes. I had to make sure to condense this to make it readable. All right, so it's also known as the Eye of Africa, and based on Plato recorded descriptions of Atlantis in the Critias and the Timaeus dialogues, as Irina was talking about, um, the according to Plato, the first king of Atlantis was named Atlas, who was the firstborn son of Poseidon. Uh, the Mori people, also known as the Berber people, live in northwest Africa. Mauritania is part of that northwest section of Africa. Mauritania being named after the Berber people and the first king of Mauritania. Do you guys know what his name was? No. Atlas. The first king of Mauritania in actual history was Atlas, a legendary king of the Mori people. Atlantis literally (laughs) translates to city of Atlas. So Herodotus, known as the father of history and the first historian, he was known for uh, making the first most accurate map of the known world back in 450 B.C., which was basically just North Africa, Southern Europe, and some of Asia. On his map, he had a place labeled Atlantis, and it was placed in Northwest Africa, just south of the Pillars of Hercules. Okay. Which, hmm, that kind of fits, doesn't it? And so, but what is the recot structure? It is a mysterious structure that happens to be made of concentric circles, supposedly has the exact same rings and distance around that was estimated of Atlantis, 
that was recorded, and it has mountains to the north, as was recorded, and is described, uh, and it was said that the recut structure was previously under the ocean, and they found pottery shards and arrowheads and even whale bones. Ah, uh, but so, Atlantis wasn't built under the ocean. Well, my theory's debunked. Okay, no, no, like, <laughs> that, no, no, I, I think, honestly, that is a really cool theory, and I, I do remember reading about it, but my only... Like pushback on this. that. No, let me have this. No, I will. <laughs> okay, you can cut me out. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I did going. want to talk about this. Like, so it is said that they found tools there, but they uh, there are so many ruins that have been found around that that said time under the ocean, which would probably be eroded faster than something that was on land, arguably. But why wouldn't you find more in that location? Because like, I, it's under. They said that it used to be a dome, and it actually, through time, had sunken uh, into the earth, and then the desert actually overtook it. And it's so far in the desert, people have a very hard time. It takes two days to get there from the nearest town. Yeah. So geologists are very much deterred from going there. It's actually really hard, and people are raided a lot when they try. Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot discovered over there. It's really yeah, yeah. hard to uh, to go through it. So not much has been done. No, hmm. but the the it's it's really cool cool to try and speculate and i love how interested people are in atlantis it's insane how many people are just obsessed with atlantis because uh there are so many other ancient ruins that they probably don't investigate as much but the fact that this is something that could possibly exist that they don't know about yet um i i just think that there are so many things that if it were a place could have happened where you know the strait of gibraltar which is essentially like the pillars of hercules or heracles mm-hmm. um is there there's that straight there and the tectonic plates plates are such that what if there had been a city and there was just some sort of volcanic activity that now it's just not able to be found yeah you know like it's that's gone there it's there are a lot of people that are looking for this place but what if they're just isn't anything you can find indiana jones and the city (laughs) of atlantis get on it (laughs) i'm just gonna say though i i was almost most impressed by the fact that herodotus the first historian who made maps and was known for being credited and if you look at it he had a lot of the surrounding areas pretty accurate for being that far back in time if he just wanted to with people in the future he might have (laughs) he might honestly he's just like i'm just gonna throw this in there just for fun yeah (laughs) Anyway, All right, there's sorry. our history corner. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, that was more interesting. Specifically, I think some of the visual style and elements uh, of the, the Atlantis that we got here was from yep. Edgar Casey, who uh-huh. was like kind of the pre-runner of the New Age movement, with like crystal healing and stuff like that. Right. Um, and so that's why we get like crystals and those kind of stuff. He's a prophesizer. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. David was telling me about this. Yeah, he was just—he right. was that crazy dude. And then they're like, "We like that. That'd be really cool to see in animation." So, what is y'all's feeling of uh, this film's interpretation of Atlantis? How, how do you think it's represented well on screen? Do you like this, this, uh, this look and uh, design for Atlantis? I really, I really like it. I think mm-hmm. it's cool, especially with uh, something that can't actually be physically studied right now. I I think it was a really n- interesting interpretation of the mm-hmm. film. Um, I, I, the, my only problem is that I feel like all the citizens are very bleh. 
They're just like, there's, like there's not video really... game NPCs in like an Assassin's Creed I, game. Yeah. I want more culture, if that makes yeah. sense. I think what they did was they kind of had they had a really cool concept and a really cool look, but then sort of um, dumbed them down as oh they're just kind of like Mayan natives. Yeah, yeah. this yeah. is Glowing so, this is the tattoos. movie's biggest. Yeah. This is movie's biggest issue. We do not spend enough time or downtime in Atlantis. Right. We have one like jaunt with Milo and Kida yeah. where they go out and discover the secrets of Atlantis together because one of my no one parts. Yeah, but no one in Atlantis has figured this out before and Milo comes in and solves the problem. Right. But yeah. after that, then it's just big action sequence again escape at Atlantis. I didn't actually time it, but I felt like I was actually in Atlantis for only about 10 minutes. Right. Like, like so, the movie is called Atlantis. So what you're saying is this could have been a really good series. Oh, or just... No, no. no seven, seven movies. movies. <laughs> Honestly, I would watch that. I, I would, would actually I would, watch that. I think if... Okay. So if they had been given full reign over this, like the directors and the thing, you can even include the Vikings because it's a series and then drop them whenever you oh, need dude, to. Actually, that would be really um, cool. Yeah, but uh, it would everything I've heard about you know the production of it and all the things they wanted to include and the ambition behind it sounds like it would make a really good miniseries. Like if you only know. Disney would. would do something like that back then. Yeah. yeah. Now. Yeah. They like I think Reese, what you're getting at is with Atlantis, they want to have their cake and eat it too. It's like simultaneously in need of salvation, mm-hmm. but they have advanced technology, but they're also tribal. They're suppressed in, you know, society, but they're, you know, a utopia. So it's like, which is it? I, I, yeah. It's yeah. just they're sitting on the fence there. about taking a stance. Like and, we and have I do think this ultimate do, power that's going to like change the world. But then like no yeah. one is just everybody's just going about their day. Uh, so if anyone gets this reference, I, I think of it as similar to watching The Room where the mother of what's it Liz or whatever who's who's the main character from the that room. the girl do you remember sorry i'm trying to remember lisa, the, lisa? there you go lisa yeah. her mom comes in and says well it's confirmed i have breast cancer and yeah. everyone just moves on but the and this moment what in this film was when the king mentions something about i tested the gods and now we suffer this or you know something mm-hmm. along those lines and that's completely brushed over Wait, we never me? what was that we never go over that historical issue and that is something that is referenced for the actual folklore of atlantis is that they had all these gifts but they were punished by poseidon and the gods because they forgot about equality and their virtues in, for the sake of avarice. And in this one, it seems like the problem with the people was that their pursuit of science and using it as um, for war was what the gods punished them for. But they only reference that in a sentence, and then everything else is well, think, about them trying to get rid of the intruders. Think about how cool it would have been to have Leonard Nimoy more incorporated into this movie giving you a 
backstory even more so explaining that i don't know yeah i I think i could have done with uh maybe some sort of narration or more exposition on why their place went under why atlantis went under they only kind of briefly touch on it i guess it's not about why it's there it's about how do you get it back yeah yeah (laughs) i think what you're getting at is we're looking for some kind of message among the adventure because we don't have character growth. We don't have a real message other than these guys are greedy and they want power and right. whatever. Like, okay. Yeah. Uh, like you said, most Atlantis stories, like even with Tolkien, you have Numenor. Like they get sunk into the right. sea because they get too arrogant and whatever. Like, like right. every Atlantis story, like you, exactly like you said, is, has some kind of message of don't do this. It's a, it's a cautionary tale. Right. This, like, okay, don't like trust people who... Just want money, I guess. And also, I don't know if it's ever clear in this movie what their motive exactly was. Were they just... Uh, I I think it's assumed, you can assume that they're just going to take valuables from the location or sell artifacts, I suppose. And then people were actually living here and got in the way. But even that isn't, it, it's kind of muddied. It's only touched upon you. So you're, you're kind of lost in what the message is. Well, they wanted the power source. You know that. I don't think they knew about the power source. Well, they, they took her in the end. Remember they did. Gita? Because they probably saw there was a greater power there. I think Milo mentions the power source early on. But uh. this goes back to what Reese brought up early on, the motive. Like, yes, it's an adventure tale, but you still need a motive for a character. Right. And wait, 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 wait. Don't get that clearly. So the villain is a mercenary. He's a commander. Turns out he really wants money. Are we sure it's this die isn't hard. a diehard movie? It's a diehard movie. She says, ho, ho, ho. I mean, <laughs> yeah, does it get Christmas any more like diehard? <laughs> Were there so, any elevators? Diehard six. Turns out he's actually Hans Gruber's like great, great relative. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, it all goes to the overall flow. like, And it just makes it worse. We're about to talk about like the turn, the betrayal. Like Milo is trying to get a discovery, something, so notoriety, I think is, is his main thing. It's his want. But we don't ever like get a development of what he needs to do to be a better person, to, to counter his flaws, to counter, like make humanity better. It's just like, oh, get this power source mm-hmm. so I can get an award or Nobel Prize or whatever. Right. And well, then, Milo doesn't want that, does he? That's, uh, he, he that yeah. his, his, he wants notoriety. That's like he wants a credit, a discovery to his name. Yeah. And uh, that's the only motivation we get. But then suddenly, like we're about to see, like we go on this whole expedition that's about that. And then everyone straight up tells him, like, we're just in this for the money. And then we Mm -hmm. get, you know, this instant betrayal after they go deep diving and swimming. Right. I'm not going to lie. I did not think that he was in it for the notoriety. I didn't get that vibe at all. He sort of is because he's still working at um, the Smithsonian. Yes. I thought Smithsonian. it was a passion project. I well, thought he was it, just inspired. It's mixed. But it's he mixed. still like threatens them with, like he wants to put them on the map and this to be under his name. That's why he's presenting this, you know, practicing this speech to make this proposal I it was to do to, this. I thought it was to get money so he could actually just do the project so he could I, do his passion. I do think this is meant to be the arc to this character, though, where it's yeah. like, at first, it's selfish gain, and then the end of the film, he's like, "No, I found yeah. something better here yeah. with these people. Like, I, I I'm not interested yeah. in that anymore." 
But I instead, think it, he's just a good guy the whole time. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I don't think it's conveyed perfectly. Right. But I do think that's what the, the filmmakers were going for. Right. Uh, uh, before we move on, I want to quickly touch on uh, Cree Summer as Kita. How do we feel about Kita in this movie? I know, AJ, you briefly talked about how she was meant to be this kind of Furiosa type where she's the adjacent or, or kind of the main character, but viewed through the eyes of someone who you think is actually the main character, but isn't. Right. I'm I'm a little disappointed that um, I'll, I'll preface this by saying I don't think she's overly sexualized, uh, but... Oh. It's not like El Dorado, which we're going to talk about. It's not like El Dorado, mm. <laughs> but there are scenes where you're just thinking... I, was that necessary? Like, I, I get it. But um, the thing is to focus all your attention on a moment like her undressing a little to go swimming and not more about who she is and what her history is, what her character development mm-hmm. hey, this is. This was formative That's... for me as an 11-year-old boy. <laughs> I actually, when I and I were watching this, I said this was a formative moment for boys everywhere. Like, I really do feel like that was kind of yeah, what they were but, trying to touch on, and, and I don't the, think that was necessary. That's the thing. I, I think that's why it kind of lost me as a girl, because I didn't, I didn't relate to her. I didn't f- feel anything about her except that she was an attractive, exotic woman, yeah. you know? I, I also think she just kind of lacks a certain agency yeah. that would be required mm-hmm. for a role like this. To, well, she, like, you, she you has can, some agency, but it's not... It, it's still focused on Milo when you're expecting her to have to go through some sort of struggle, but instead she's just kind of entranced by the heart of Atlantis and fixes everything and then comes out of her spell and everything's... Mm-hmm fine like she she didn't really have to struggle and i think yeah. that mirrors the flaw in both characters really is yeah like both of them their contribution to the story is passive milo right. is a linguist he can translate words she is descended from her mother who just gets chosen by right. the power source to be the savior both of them are passive participants they don't actively do anything really to further any kind of motive or message yeah Yeah. it's Mm. um the the thing is like even milo has a moment where his characters her his character flips but you don't you don't really get to build up to that it's also it's not it's kind of dumbed down by the fact that all the other characters decide oh we're good we're on your side Mm -hmm. so that moment is more impactful than him standing up for the Atlanteans, which right. I feel like would have been more important. Yeah. And even yeah. compare her to like the stereotypical Disney princess, which always gets criticism because right. of their lack of depth. But even say, you know, Mulan or even Belle, like they have character defining traits right. of what makes them special and how they are an individual. She just is just right. nothing. Right. Mm. Returning to the surface with Kida, Milo discovers Rourke has the missing page. Rourke and the crew betray Milo, intending to bring the crystal to the surface and sell it. Rourke mortally wounds the king of Atlantis while trying to extract information about the crystal's location, but finds this location for himself hidden beneath the king's throne room. Crystal detects a threat and, and merges with Kida. Rourke and the mercenaries lock Kida in a crate and prepare to leave the city, knowing that when the crystal is gone, the Atlanteans will die. 
Milo berates his friends for betraying their consciousness or consciences <laughs> and ultimately convinces them to leave Rourke and remain in, in Atlantis. The king explains to Milo that the crystal has developed a consciousness. It will find a royal host when Atlantis is in danger. As he dies, he gives his crystal to Milo, telling him to save Atlantis and Kida. Encouraged by Sweet, Milo rallies the crew so, and the Atlanteans to stop work. So why why did Kida come back? That that's always been my question. I is don't. The know. mom doesn't come back, but it's because of love. Because of love, okay. I the mom just no, didn't I love don't know. enough. <laughs> I I wondered that myself. I think it's just to be satisfying and family friendly. Like that's yeah. I I don't know. I maybe the um, mother was just willing to. No, I I, I can't even explain I, it really. The amount of time that the mother's been gone, maybe have some. Yeah, it could be. No could be that it. maybe that. I can't. Um, I feel like there's a good reason. I just can't. Either think way, of it. It, it without speculating, um, it shows an issue where there's a lack of consistency in, and also a fact that you just don't know much about this Atlantis place or you don't, you aren't given enough Yeah. that you feel like you were promised because this is about Atlantis after all. It's not about these five sidekicks that Milo has. Mm -hmm. And even then we don't know about much about them. It's just that you, I feel like I was not, I was promised more yeah. As far as an explanation. <laughs> Do you know a movie that does this better? Yeah. It, it, it's kind of the same, like, adventure to a a mysterious, unknown place and then mm. having to get out of it. Right. But uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong. Oh, yeah. Oh, that movie. It develops so all of those side characters really well, right. I feel like, and gives them yeah. their own, each of them, their own little arcs. Yeah. And you do eventually, it, it, it gives a lot of lip service to all of that and right. you're you're well established in the the lost we're, we're skull island and you feel like you've spent an adequate amount of time there before you leave whereas right. this one it's like okay i feel like the characters were given short shrift i barely know them i feel like atlantis itself was given short shrift i barely know what this place is and before we know it we're in this action sequence trying right. to get out of atlantis it honestly yeah yeah that's an it honestly movie. That's true. Mm -hmm. But we learned about the place, the mysteries of everything. That's just, I don't know. True. Yeah. I don't know why yeah. that one didn't come to my mind first because that's that one probably is a better very example. very strong adventure film. And I've it focuses on the place that's taught. in the title. Yep. Yep. This, this one doesn't give you enough. And it honestly kind of reminds me of learning about, um, <laughs> this is, this is from my art history class, but, uh, Gauguin and people like that, where there was just kind of this fascination with anything native or primitive. Mm -hmm. And they, without actually wanting to understand what that means, it's just the idea of the exotic without having to explain it. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's almost condescending <laughs> in a weird way it to the point where aesthetic. I just... Yeah, it's focused on aesthetic and the fact that it's foreign and different, but without giving you any meat to it. They they just feel kind of, even though they keep saying, oh, they're more advanced, they have more technology, they still seem like the these subservient people that yeah. need your help. Mm. So I feel like this 
episode has been trending towards the like negative, negative side. Yeah, I was just about yeah, to say, I want to hear yeah. David yeah. speak. Yeah, but I, I, do, <laughs> I love this movie. <laughs> the thing is, no, even I am actually positive on this movie overall. Actually, I, I am too. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just feel like there's so much that it could have done. Yes, to to be better than what it is. Like, it, I like the final product. I don't love it. I, it. There's there's certain elements here that are just cut yeah. out or, as I said, sanded off. That I I saw that glimmer of something that could be like a Disney masterpiece. Right. But it's just held back by, you know, just not developing its its characters or its locations well enough like it nothing yeah. feel, like the atlantis i want to live in that moment yeah and it's just not letting me uh but it's still i'm having a good time i'm definitely not not enjoying this like it's it's still giving me excellent visuals at this point uh mm-hmm. you know it, it's thrown a lot of things at the screen that are entertaining and i don't dislike the characters i just wish they were there, there was more to them. Yeah. Uh, one sequence I like during this portion is, I do like when she walks on the water and mm. um, she's carried up and becomes, she melds with the stone. It, she becomes that, one with the power right. of their world. Yeah, yeah. And, and I actually liked this 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 scene. It was mystical. It was right. the music. I I remember the music being really cool there yeah, too. Yeah, and visually it was really impressive. I don't know what where no, else to no. go. From yeah, there, I think but... you're trying to show the redeeming qualities of this after we kind of berated it. I mm. I really did like this movie, and I want to save you know maybe the general feel of it, but for the the end review. But there's yeah, I, it's just uh, I don't know. I mean, but, they show that they can do certain things well. Like I mean, even Audrey's character, there's glimmers of opportunity there. Uh, yeah. Where they, I mean, she's a cool character that really could have been expounded upon more. But even she gets more development than Kita does. Who's exactly. Basically, the main character here. Yeah. Oh, I did also want to talk about how do we feel about the? I know we talk about chemistry between main characters a lot. Uh, do we think that this this is one of the better Disney romances or kind of towards the lower end? Um, I'd ship them. I honestly, I think it was well done because you're not actually given enough time for them to really develop a relationship as you would say, because mm-hmm. there's just so much going on. So with what time they had, I think they appropriately had them. There there was no kiss scene. Mm-hmm. They just held hands at the end. Like there's a strong bond. You have this uh, instinct that there will be something more, but it's not, it, it's not ever forced. Yeah. Which is mm-hmm. what I appreciate. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, they kind of set it up from the beginning. Like anytime they were together, it seemed like, oh, hey, yeah, they see each other. They both have a, a thirst for knowledge, which yeah. is their bonding point. That's that another too. thing where I could have seen. Uh, I I could have used a little bit more of that. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. I want to see which know, is, how she's. I want to ha- yeah. see how she's fascinated with his nerdy amount of knowledge. That, yeah, that, and I want to see him fascinated with her culture a little bit yeah. more, and like how every all of that works. They kind of yeah. like touch on it a little bit. I could have used a little more though. Which is interesting because that was the one highlight in the part the portion that actually takes place in atlantis is when they're alone talking yeah which is weird because you would think action would be the highlight but Mm -hmm. they were actually just talking because we only had two characters to focus on i actually like the underwater sequence where he's yeah they're figuring all that stuff out and then he they keep coming up for air and they're 
kind of talking about it and they go back under. Right. I, I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a good mm. that's a good scene there. We had opportunity too, even with Kida's interaction with her dad, the king. I mean, right. she could be you know struggling internally about you know obeying his orders or you know finding the truth. Right. But instead, it's just like, okay, I'm ignoring you, and the king is just <laughs> kind of this lazy guy who everyone just walks He's over. He's like, don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Stay yeah. here. <laughs> All right, let's uh, finish this story off. In a battle inside the volcano, Helga and the other mercenaries are defeated, including Rourke, killed when Milo slashes his arm with a crystal shard. Nice. As Milo and the others fly the crystal back to the city, the volcano erupts. With lava flowing towards the city, Kida rises into the air and creates a protective shield. The lava breaks away harmlessly, showing a restored Atlantis, and the crystal returns Kida to Milo. The surviving crew members return to the surface and promise to keep the discovery of Atlantis a secret. Milo, in love with Kida, stays behind to help her rebuild the Lost Empire. Wait, you say the Lost Empire? Yeah. Atlantis, the Lost Empire? Yep, there you go. Good. There's your subtitle. Your last, last sentence. Uh, so this is when we discover that the uh, Leonard Nimoy had basically was the reason that Atlantis was destroyed, or had to be submerged in the right. first place because he used the power of the crystal and it was too much for him. Uh, so he dies and thus here we are. Um. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, it, yeah, it was very quick and I don't think that they focused enough on that moment. I know. Like he, he's essentially kind of a villain when you think yeah. about it. I mean, he's good. He's, he's right. portrayed as this wise leader, but oh no, he was the yeah. reason for the deaths of thousands upon thousands and then it makes you wonder like why is he still the king then like wouldn't there be an uprising well i think he kept it secret like he buried it away maybe maybe i I don't know we don't know know why the gods attacked (laughs) i felt that you know this is a little different topic but i felt that rourke's turning into this monster was completely unnecessary and cheapened even any kind of hint of a message of the whatever bad side of humanity like him turning into a physical monster was just why yeah yeah like defeat have milo defeat him you know a man against man not like oh i'm gonna just i don't know him turning into this crystal lava monster is just and this is what i was talking about it robs milo of this hero moment like this completion of his character arc where he's Mm -hmm. you know this you know pencil pusher it does look cool it looks cool he (laughs) uses his brain i I wanted to see a more drawn out fight because he pretty much he quickly puts it together to slash him with the i'm sorry what would have happened in a fight between this twig of a character in that beefcake no i i I want to see the flaw that brings him down and his betrayal of uh what's her name kita no no no, helga helga Helga. yeah yeah Yeah. sorry that like the flaw of humanity that there is their own downfall but you know milo taking the high road is what allows him to defeat him like have that still like centered on humanity not him turning into some magical monster right it's it's also really difficult because this this whole sequence is while it does look cool uh, a lot of it is um extended past its sweet spot Mm -hmm. and you you get that moment where he defeats this guy, but then you're also followed up by a lava chase where they have to get to the heart of Atlantis again so they can be protected by another disaster mm. caused by the explosions, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. 
to the point where I just don't really know what the climax is. Yeah. What what is the defining moment that signals it's over? You know, like that. I I don't well, feel. I think, I think the moment is when the lava color covers the dome of Atlantis. Right. And it is sloughed off at the end, and then it's a renewed Atlantis. I felt like that was like the 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 main moment in the finale right. where it was like okay now everything has re- been resolved and it is but then you've you had built up this villain that's kind of uh done away with early on in that whole process but then like i, I don't mind yeah. that happening but it's just it there's a lot that happens in that amount of time where you don't really f- feel a defining moment until it's all over yeah Yeah. you're right and like what you're getting at i think is what you brought up earlier is the tension in a story arc like you have tension and a resolution of tension and you have an overall Mm -hmm. conflict and you have miniature conflicts in between the acts like we don't get that and i'm not saying like everything has to be three act structure but right when you don't have any sort of tension like what's the resolution yeah right and and weirdly maybe it's just because of how these characters look and act similar but commander thaddeus is that his name mm-hmm. in this i draw a direct comparison to clayton from yeah. tarzan right. once He's again same. and you're talking about tension there there's so much tension in that scene in tarzan, Gosh, tarzan where clayton is, so good. is trying to get at tarzan he's hacking away at the vines uh oh you know, yeah and and it's just kind of a tooth and nail fight and you realize he's about to strangle yeah. himself and you, you just, you feel it. Whereas well, in this exactly... one, where is this one lacks that yeah. tension. It's just like, oh, Milo pulls out this shard, slashes his arm and he's done. Yeah. Like it, it was, is pretty well, cut and dry. The thing that uh, you're noticing on Tarzan is what AJ was bringing up too, is that it was, um, as cheesy as it sounds, like man's worst enemy is himself or at mm-hmm. least the flaws in himself that they, he doesn't work on and Mm -hmm. that was clayton's problem was that he had this rage that was unchecked and he ended up hanging himself with it it's oh that movie is so good we watched it yesterday i think like to distill my feelings on this movie i guess early on is this they wanted to have an action movie but everyone is very passive in this movie yes no one is taking action for themselves or to push things forward we're just watching it unfold. So, like, how true of an action movie is it? Right. It's an adventure movie. It, it is. And I think it, honestly, if if there's anyone out there that has managed to listen this long to us uh, talking kind of negatively, th- this is a good movie. It's just we're, we're nitpicking at all the things that, you know, kind of mm-hmm. could have been improved. It, so. it, it's just a movie that needed that extra yeah, push and like it, it was almost there and there's it's so evident in almost right. in so many scenes in this movie it's like yeah i like what you're doing here just push it like slightly farther and the the thing is it's it's not even really the creator's fault it's yeah. sort of the bars that were put on them to <laughs> dumb it down for you know yeah. children <laughs> but yeah they, um, they kind of shot themselves in the foot there uh yeah, so what do y'all feel about the ending message of this movie where I guess it's the theme of the film where it's just, hey, we should not go out and discover new worlds. We should leave them alone. Uh do the right thing, get lots of money, yo. 
Yeah, it, it's... Yeah. It's not really answering your question directly, but with the, the regards to the rest of the team, like, they all get money and wealthy. So, like, what was the consequence of their flaws and their actions and their cheapened just reversal of, okay, right. let's just stick with Milo because Change I guess apart. one person kind of... St- but it was just, there's no culmination to it. It was just, like, a snap of fingers, and they're like, okay, let's... I don't know. Like, I, I just... Them turning sides and standing up to Rourke, like, just was kind of a domino effect because it seemed like right. they were going along with the flow of how things are shaking out, but they still yeah. got rewarded by being rich. So it was like, what was the point if they really didn't, like, redeem themselves either? I don't know. I guess they weren't really evil at all to begin with. They were in it for the money, but they weren't expecting something like this. I think they were expected to come to some ruins take it and then head back. Yeah, I just funny like like the Atlanteans didn't owe them anything, but yeah. somehow they still got gold out of all of this. But because the Atlanteans don't care. They don't realize how important <laughs> those goods are. I don't know. I don't it's know. Like sure you can have this yeah. rock we found down here. It's <laughs> Yeah, it's um sad really. I don't know where yeah. I was going with that. I didn't really have Yeah, sorry. I derailed <laughs> the question. <laughs> No, no, oh, no, you're, no fine. you're fine. Well, I, I was gonna say on that that I I don't think that that was the intended message. I don't I didn't think of it that way as I was watching it. I thought, well, this is an adventure story, and perhaps some cultures would like to be left alone rather than bothered. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, there's critics on this movie that think it's like anti-imperialism, which is like the expansion into other countries. Oh, and, oh. Uh, so it kind of like this is saying basically don't do that (laughs) because it always results in disaster thing uh i do think it is it it does kind of um have some ties with things like uh pocahontas and things like that where Mm. you're just you when interacting with other cultures you are not invasive you don't assume Mm-hmm. their property because they are either lesser or yeah. you have the ability to um but it, still i don't think the message is very clear i think no. the the I, only clear message is um i actually agree there there wasn't much thought yeah because the at the very end film. it seems like atlantis is saved because you have the resurrection of those forefather stones circling in the sky so it seems like we're left with this image of atlantis being restored but what was right. it restored to from what? Yeah. yeah, it's it's just kind of back to the same. They came in, caused a disaster, and it was saved from that disaster. It, but it, now they so, have a white guy to translate things It's so for funny, him. the mixed messaging of this movie, though. It's like the, the white people invading another country both enlightens them to things that they didn't understand before, but also causes them mass destruction. Yeah, <laughs> but they're cool with it. Yeah. They're, <laughs> dude, those people down there, they're like, this is the most excitement I've had in years, man. Yeah, like, thousands. Thanks. Of Thank you so fi- much. I couldn't figure out the stone bike, but now I'm zooming around. It's a stone bike. A <laughs> like the Flintstones or <laughs> you something. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I think a lot was lost in image, which could have been built up a little more in uh, the storyline and unfortunately with animated movies that's just uh, it's 
a lot to ask to cut things out and then replace it with something else because there's so much work that goes into that. So it I kudos to them for even coming out with something with all the setbacks they had because that's yeah. that's really hard. Yeah. So I just want to say I do think we're being a little too negative on this one. Yeah, and and actually I um, think this is coming off as too negative, but at least in my case my review will not quite reflect how yeah, this episode either. has okay, gone down. So, I don't know. I think that we're trying to read too much into the story, and it's not meant to be read into as much as we're trying to. Yeah. Well, well, maybe we'll see in our review like, section. Yeah, please talk more on that mm, if you yeah. um, have more to say later. Uh, all right, let's close out the story here. Let's take a quick break. On the other end, we'll review this film, get into what critics thought, do some box office, and then talk about this wannabe franchise. All right, we'll see y'all then. Welcome back. Let's talk Atlantis, the lost empire david you've got our scores there in a bowl i do we're gonna do our reviews here why don't you why don't you pull one of those at random well i think i know which one this is it's gonna be noah with an 8.5 yeah i like this one mm-hmm. so throughout this episode i felt like it was overall pretty negative um and i understand the criticism i don't really disagree with it i just think think that it shouldn't be applied as harshly to this one because mainly this is a very ambitious movie and Mm -hmm. they try to do a lot of things sure they don't always land you know on their feet but i can say i had a really good time with the whole thing i i think they sold me on the adventure aspects i like the characters in general uh screw mole but uh (laughs) I had a feeling you'd dislike more. He, he would kind of want that, wouldn't he? Ugh. Yeah, he's a dirty boy, isn't he? He's a dirty boy. Speak French a dirty, to him. dirty boy. No. <laughs> I'll just stop that. Um, but yeah, I think uh, over the course of this, we kind of read too much into it. I think this movie really didn't have any uh, real themes that it was trying to sell. And if they were, they weren't supposed to be like deep yeah you just why was the window blue exactly and uh i think uh this movie's just fun and it's meant to be fun and it's an adventure it's it's closer to an epic than any other kind of disney movie but i do understand the criticism and i think right. the reason why it gets this criticism is because of how good it is mm-hmm. yeah and it you compare it to the better, yeah. It indicates your passion about the mm-hmm. yeah. subject matter, yeah. Exactly. So I'll close with that. All right. Next up, Irina with a seven. Yeah. Sorry, you kind of hurt my heart. No, no. Mm-hmm. Honestly, seven is still a really good review, but I'm having to compare this to um, all-time classics like Lion King, Tarzan, things like that. Where Beauty it, and the Beast, just, directed by the same yeah. people. Beauty and the Beast is still it. It is one of my favorite Disney films, um, partly because I watched it a lot as a little girl. But 
aside from that, I've I've already made a lot of comments about this film, which would probably tell you why it's a seven. Um, I I love the art style. I think that that is something I will always commend is when they try to change things up a little bit. I will always encourage a change. <laughs> but as far as this movie goes, I, I I still think it's a positive. There are just a lot of moments that could have been much more than what they were. As a kid, I watched this movie and kind of came away lacking. There were other animated films that I would often prefer to watch over this one. Even Tarzan, which is mostly a boy-led film, mm-hmm. I was still more partial to. For for me, this is a setting that has always been sort of dear to my heart. I, I love the fact that it's taking place in 1914. And there's almost that, uh, we might have brought it up before, but sort of a steampunk aspect without yeah. going, without pushing the pedal too hard I in that direction. I wanted to coin the phrase aquapunk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, mm. I would have loved to see a little more of that incorporated. Other than that, it's... It's a movie called Atlantis, and I I didn't get to see enough of Atlantis, and I think that was the fault of the higher-ups who kind of put a rein on this film to the point where it wasn't the passion project it should have been. And that's why I think it was brought down to a 7. There is a 10 in there. I can see it, and that's why it's so frustrating. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to leave my review at well that. Well spoken. Next up, AJ with a 6.5. All right. So I expected going into this to be on the lower end of the group just because I was missing that nostalgia factor. That's uh, a big factor. Yeah. And so a Disney animated feature that I didn't see and I'm seeing as an adult now, like I expect to be more analytical about it. Um, and so I feel like I want to, let's say, put this into perspective here. Um, I do appreciate the ambition of the project and and going in a completely different direction. Um, And the aesthetics are are great on this movie. The the styling, just visually, like I I get that this world and everything that this movie has its own sense of style to that's just unique to this movie. Um, And I really appreciate that. I just... Wish And I think I'm probably expecting a lot of this crew because I know if they've produced in the past Mm -hmm. and also kind of maybe holding a higher standard because, you know, it's not derivative, but it is based on, you know, tropes of adventure movies. And so, like, they have examples set before them that, you know, could have pointed them into a better direction. I don't really write off, you know, just because it's an adventure movie doesn't necessarily mean that you throw character development out the window. Um, you can still have those things. And, and I really, the more I've watched this movie and, and looked behind the scenes, like I get what they're intending to do. And there's, you know, even from an analytical critical point, like I can get some messages where they're going. And I think that's why I'm even harder on it because I see the opportunity of what they probably were trying to do or could have done or gone in this direction or make this comment on something and they just didn't like it didn't really do one thing well they were trying to be kind of a jack of all trades and instead of a master of, of one specific thing right and even from an adventure standpoint 
like that whole middle of the movie where they're going through the underground trying to discover Atlantis, the the journey of it, like I missed that part. It just, it wasn't memorable. Nothing particularly stood out to me where I wanted to see multiple trials of them, you know, the journey of them not just going through the actions of, you know, place to place or surviving this event, but becoming different people because of it as a group um, instead of each person just like staying flat and static. And then all of a sudden they turn, you know, three quarters of the way of the movie because that's what the plot necessitates and that's what we expect. And the part of a journey is also the change within the people, the characters. And I didn't get that. So just throwing flashy colors on a screen, cool art style um, is not enough for me, especially since some of that even still like something feels compressed. And I know it's time of the plot, timeline of the plot, but even the big scenes where you have the guardian statues, like creating that protective spherical shield, like that looks like that should be an epic scene. And some part of it just doesn't feel like it's up to scale and I can't put my finger on it. But it's just like this movie, something like Atlantis in this big setting feels like it's compressed instead of being awesome. Um, Even though it Mm -hmm. looks beautiful and great artistically, it doesn't feel huge. Uh, So there's that grandeur aspect of it that just somehow, I don't know what that element is. And maybe it's because I want to be immersed in Atlantis and we see maybe two characters that are examples of Atlanteans and like really we have one exploratory dive into it and things could have been really rearranged proportionally focus more on adventure items and stuff. And if that adds runtime, that adds runtime. I don't think that would have been a bad thing here. So if that's right. a, a studio decision, then that's, you know, shame on them. Pare down right. some of the characters, the distractions, uh, you know, the, the comedy for the sake of comedy and just kind of add bit more character depth uh, we don't need a monster transformation at the end. The, <laughs> keep the visuals. That was right on point. But part of an adventure is growth. And I didn't right. get that part. So on the whole, it's, you know, I enjoyed the movie, but there's not a lot for me to take away from it other than visuals. Right. All right. Next up, David with a nine. Dang. Yeah, coming in wow. hot, boys. Yeah, I, I think that this movie has so much nostalgia for me. A lot of my score is deeply rooted in in that nostalgia factor, AJ, and I can I can detach myself enough to know that. Um, people told me before this episode how it was hard for them to score. I just saw the paper. I was like, it's a nine. Like I just mm. <laughs> I just didn't even think about it. It just like I knew in my heart that's what I I thought it was. You and I was like, your heart. should I? Should I change that because I know there are flaws and I know people are going to probably vote lower than me? I know this on paper for a lot of people is definitely not a nine. Hey, you were me for Live Free or Die Hard. I gave that movie a nine. I think I was very close to you on that one. Yeah. And the point is, I love this movie growing up. I think the aesthetic hit me at the right time. I think they really dove into a world with the aesthetic and music. And uh, I don't know, the the whole Atlantis theme struck a chord with me and I just I can't praise it enough for what they did on the project I think maybe looking into the making of it helped as well yeah um, that always does I mean it's really easy to see how much passion went into this movie there is heart like you can't watch this movie and not think there is any heart in it and right. 
I know we kind of touched on the negatives, but there is a really good movie in there. And I am going to stick with my nine because I love this movie. Hey, there we Perfect. go. All right. Next up. Reese with a seven. Hey. Yeah. I feel you like this is both. like, this is the most negative we've sounded on a movie that is ultimately going to come out with a positive score. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's weird. Mm. I think because you guys all want to give it a higher score. Yes, this is a movie I went into watching and expecting to be kind of wowed by it. But it was ultimately like, I I got everything that it presented to me in the trailer. Where it was like, yeah, this is is what I expected. Mm. There were no moments where it was like, oh, wow, they really swung for the fences here. Uh, And it's hard to pinpoint what exactly is wrong with this movie. Because it runs in, it, it, the runtime is an hour and 37 minutes, which is your typical Disney movie. Mm-hmm. But there are so many Disney movies that accomplish so much with so little in that same amount of time. They, d- they effectively develop their characters. They effectively give all of them, you know, satisfying arcs and the story comes to a great conclusion. And, and you leave the theater, you know, oh, wow, I just, I just saw an excellent Disney movie. This one... It's like, you know, I could have used more time establishing Milo. You know, I could have used more time of this expedition to Atlantis. Oh, you know, I could have used more time at Atlantis. Yeah. And it, but so that leads me to believe that the scenes that you see with all these characters, they are just, there's not compelling enough material in those scenes to convey, uh, you know, development that is satisfying, I guess, uh, if I yeah. can put it that way. Like, no, like the no scenes, stakes are ever established. Yeah, the no stakes, no tension. Uh, that's not to say these scenes in isolation are bad. It's just they're not quite enough to put it on the level of other Disney movies. It's it's kind of a weirdly sedate movie for how uh, how much action is actually on display. Yeah. I like it. I think it's fine. I'm entertained by it. I think the art direction is superb. I like the music. I like the characters even. I just I just don't think it's it, it reaches that upper echelon of Disney films. It's it's just kind of occupies this you know, middle ground that's it, it's a fine movie and I, I I Is there another Disney movie you would put in a in this area? Uh I would say this sounds bad. I'd say Frozen. Like, okay, I, that's I, fair. And I know a lot of people love Frozen, but for me, Frozen is another like kind of middle ground Disney movie, mm-hmm. uh, where it's just like, yeah, it's you know, it's going through the motions, but it's not exactly firing on all cylinders. It's exactly. kind of. Uh, I would put even below this a lot of the Disney remakes, live action remakes, oh, where definitely. it's like yeah. that's even yeah. less than yeah. a. Pro, uh, passion project. Like the new Lion King is all visual, yeah. but no heart. No right, substance. exactly. Yeah, Atlantis is visual, and at least you can see the heart, but it's barred yeah. by so other I, I, stipulations. In conclusion, I ad- admire the ambition of this movie. I wish Disney would make would take more risks like this because I think they were on the right track with Atlantis, and I'm I'm actually really glad this movie exists. I just wish it was the the original vision for what it was supposed to be. Not this kind of, uh, I don't want to say dumbed down because that's very reductive of what the movie is, but you know, this, 
just kind of neutered version of what it what it yeah, could that's be. Better. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> no, no, but it makes sense. It means that it wasn't necessarily their intention. It was as a subject of other forces. Yeah. So I, I would I would watch this movie again. I think overall it's good. I just don't think it's great or amazing like it should have yeah. been. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Well, yeah, Seven. I mean, we drew the comparison of Tarzan, which was 99, I believe. Mm-hmm. Right. And then this is 2001. So it's not like age is a huge, you know, boon here where they just didn't have that, you know, tech at the time or whatever. Like, I don't know. I, I think it comes down to that. The tension is really what. Yes. That the, the tension helps, you know, move your pace along. Yeah. So yeah. It, it makes it's, efficient use of time. It's all about the storytelling. I'm. I want to emphasize this so much. Storytelling is so important. You don't need hugely incredible graphics. You can have them, but that's not what's going to sell a story. Yeah. All right, AJ, you want to crunch those numbers for us? Yeah. And I do get disappointment too, because I do remember the marketing for this and and seeing that and like having hopes for that and kind of coming to this this many years later, like Reese said, you kind of get everything in the trailer that you ever needed. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. This movie, I yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll crunch those numbers. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, crunch them numbers. Uh, we got a seven point six for the group average, tied with Chronicles of Narnia, Lion Witch, and the Wardrobe. There you go, David. That's not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, just below Ghost in the Shell at seven point seven, and above the first Blade at a seven and a half. All right. So I think overall, um, I mean, positive. Yeah, that's like, pretty good. Like we it said, did, it did quite this well. This movie has good aspects. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's go into what the critics thought. On Rotten Tomatoes, this movie has a 49%. Dang. What? Yep, with an audience score of 53%. On Metacritic, we have a 52 from critics and an audience score of 7.4, so a little more positive from audience members there. And on IMDb, which is uh, audience-based reviews, it has a 6.9 out of 10. What is wrong with you all? Yeah, but overall, I would still say mixed to slightly positive. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, it's not negative. I know. I guess, especially when it comes down to Rotten Tomatoes, I I want to know the critics that are so soulless. Like, I, <laughs> it's, it's beyond heartless. It's soulless, where you look at a movie and go, mm. wouldn't recommend it, sucks. Like, (laughs) I've seen a lot of movies where it's like 98% or or like, and there's like, what 2% of people literally have no soul? So so here's... Do you know how the tomato meter works? It's when they they wouldn't recommend... It's below 50%. It caught... I get it. I know how it works, but I it, even then, I think that counts towards my, my critique. Also, one issue I've had with critics is that they see so many more movies than your average moviegoer. This is like, it's like their homework. They're watching Atlantis. They're numb. It's like, okay, the third movie I have to see today, Atlantis. Uh, <laughs> it, I just finished watching like, Schindler's List. Yeah, and trying to overlay like social paradigms on a movie is a little much. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I just I imagine them checking off a box as like, fail. Yeah. <laughs> it, I don't know. That, yeah, no it, touching meeting with his grandmother. Five. <laughs> <laughs> nice try, Atlantis. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> I hate children's movies. <laughs> exactly what critics say. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's go into the box office. This movie released 
on June 8th in 2001 against Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Oh, yeah. Lara. Wow. <laughs> Always Coming have to for do us, it. Lara. Uh, also playing at the time were uh, was Shrek, Swordfish, and Pearl Harbor. Oh, my gosh. Swordfish. I totally forgot that about Tim that Burton? movie. No, that's definitely not Tim Burton. <laughs> oh, that's Big Fish I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah. No, this movie had a no, huge... No, Swordfish Jack- was with... Uh... Hugh Jackman and Holly Berry. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the movie is budgeted at 120 million, which is a lot. Holy yeah. God. <laughs> that, that is a lot. lot. That yeah. back then, not even inflated. No, I'm not. I didn't hmm. do inflation for this one. All right, what do y'all think this movie did worldwide? I'm gonna start with you, Noah. 360. 360. That's a bold. I'm just kidding. Maybe it's not. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you smile. Spicy. <laughs> yeah. a- AJ. 250. 250, Arena. Uh, let's throw it in the middle there, 300. All right, David? They did get a direct-to-DVD sequel, didn't they? Yeah, they did get a direct-to-DVD sequel. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what that counts in the, the line of... <laughs> it that was kind count. of a trend, though, for Disney. They were like, okay, let's just throw all these out there. Yeah. yeah that's right. Tarzan they did that for even... A desperate parent will throw their kid in front of anything. They did that for Lion What idiots. <laughs> All right. So, what was the budget? One hundred twenty million. All right. I'm gonna go with um, two thirty. Two thirty. David, it? you should go to a dentist. <laughs> tooth hurty. I, I actually <laughs> went to one yesterday. <laughs> wow, that's my so tooth funny. hurty. <laughs> that's so bad. I'm sorry. So what is it? Uh, David, you were closest. Hey. The movie uh, made a hundred and eighty-six million. Uh, it hurts to even win this one. <laughs> Wait, when was this released? Shrek was huge. No, no, I mean, oh yeah, year. June. that's a good yeah, point. Oh my gosh, yeah, you got that's wrecked right. by Deep DreamWorks. I didn't know about that. Yep. Katzenberg. Uh, that was a Katzenberg project. Yep. Yeah. So domestically, it did eighty-four million. Honestly, this is not. A terrible amount of money for mm-hmm. a animated feature. It's bad for Disney because they they were kind of like positioning this as their you know big animated blockbuster of that summer. Right. So it the number doesn't look good at all. But eighty four million is not disastrous in ter- uh, domestically speaking. It's just when compared to other recent hits, uh, even Tarzan did better than this. But like Beauty and the Beast. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Lion King, all the '90s kind of Disney movies that did really well. Even Mulan and was Lilo and Stitch after this? That was 2003. Yeah, but that had yet to come out. But yeah, it, it just it severely disappointed, and the budget was uh, really big. Like this mm-hmm. movie cost mm. a lot of money. Yeah. So it kind of <laughs> is that the downfall? Ugh, that's so sad. It was critical, and it was. The but it was the amount of money it made back. It, it was just lukewarm reception from critics and a lukewarm box office. They Disney went as far they they were expecting this to be bigger than it was so much so that they had they were uh, at, at Disney World they were trying to make one of their parks you know themed around. Can you imagine how cool that would be? Yeah, Atlantis. There was like some submarine attraction at cool. the. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Disneyland or Disney World, I don't know which one it was, that was, it was a, a one ride originally, and it was going to be mm. changed into an Atlantis-themed ride. Okay. Uh, there Pretty was much also, doing that with Avatar now, though. What yeah. if it was going to be the Pirates ride? 
I don't think it was that one. It was it was a different one. Now, in all fairness, nineties under Eisner, they were really big on the parks. Like they Mm -hmm. pushed that, and I think even there's a lot of contention about that too. And that was the inspiration of Fantasyland versus Adventureland. Like there's this whole side of Disney that needs to be explored here. So that might have been with the uh, the company. uh, What's the word? Direction at the time too. Yeah. 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 So I guess that kind of boils down with the real failure Damn is. Damn you, corporate. That it, that's what I think it comes down to. We can say that it, it's the, the critical reviews and how much money they didn't make and versus how much they put in. But it all that boils down to the fact that somebody chopped this at the knees. Yeah. yeah. You know, they had a good movie in here, and I think they could have made more money, and, in and they didn't. in spite of that, they still managed to finish something that, yeah. it, to some degree, you can follow. So there was also a plan to continue this franchise in the a television show mm-hmm. format. Stargate Atlantis. Uh, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> uh, so they had actually done animation for, I want to say, two to three episodes of this Atlantis TV show. And once Atlantis kind of failed at the box office, they kind of combined those episodes into what is the DVD release sequel to this. That's Milo's why. Return, which... I haven't seen the whole thing, but apparently it feels like three different stories smashed oh, together. Oh, it is three different stories so, smashed together. <laughs> yeah. That explains it, because yeah. after we watched Atlantis, you put that on for kicks, and I, we were sitting there thinking, like, this this feels like a TV show. Yeah. This doesn't feel like and a that's movie. What they were, that's what was going to happen with us, and uh, there you go. There's Atlantis Milo's Return. Oh, gosh. <laughs> the sequel to Atlantis. Good job, wow. Disney. Yeah, it, I mean... They must have seen that Atlantis was at least successful enough in its, you know, DVD sales to release another full product, even though it was a direct-to-DVD. It, there was enough interest in this property to continue it in some way. Right. Mini-series. Uh, so, <laughs> so is there any future to this potential franchise? No. Live action. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. that's where I was going to go. Apparently there were there were rumors this year that Disney was going to uh, tackle Atlantis for a potential live action remake. Yeah, and they're gonna put Tom Holland in there, aren't they? Yeah, prob- probably. Probably. I'm in everything. so tired of that. I'm okay with them in in, in Uncharted, but other than that, I'm like, okay. Mm, I don't like it. We'll see. We'll see. I don't think he looks like a Nathan Drake. He but, doesn't at all. But still, we'll see. It's supposed to be a prequel to Uncharted. Yeah, Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't hate Tom Holland. I think he's yeah. a good actor. Sorry. <laughs> uh, that, however, has been shot down recently. There's people that don't Aww. think that this is going to happen. Uh, Disney kind of laid out their five-year plan recently, and Atlantis was not in that five-year plan. Aww. It's not necessarily dead, mm-hmm. but... It's very, Not very in the next dormant. five years. Yeah, I'd say it's doubtful. I would say with Disney being so successful with their live-action remakes, it's only a matter of time before they do actually do Atlantis because they're mm-hmm. running out of animated properties to, you know, remake. Uh, I'm so tired of that. That said, Atlantis, that's one of the few I would say that, yes, do a live-action remake. Mm-hmm. I want to see what that looks like. Mm-hmm. It's not classic in the way that other Disney films are. You could... Put your own spin on it. It doesn't... Yeah. And, and and this is a movie I almost feel like would be better in live action. Right. Yeah. Weirdly. I don't know. It could. It, it definitely could be. could be. Get get a good director. Get... Yeah. John Favreau. Longer even Gore time. Verbinski. Even Gore Dennis Verbinski, Villanueve. who did 
Pirates of the Caribbean. I think he could do a good like Atlantis. Mm. You get that Reese. You get the same guy that's doing Dune right now. Oh, uh, Dennis, uh, Denis Villeneuve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or he, he would do a great job. I don't. I don't know yeah. if he'd go for something like this, but yeah, I, I would. probably well, not. Well, working it doesn't have to be Disney. childlike, but he's really good at building, building a world. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so Atlantis, not necessarily completely, totally dead, but dead. <laughs> for the you foreseeable future, yeah. I don't think you're going to see it anytime soon. Is anything really dead? Yeah, let's just <laughs> say this version of this version of it is dead. Yeah. All right, that closes out our discussions on Atlantis. Honorable. The Lost Empire. Uh, yes, honorable death. This movie ends on a conclusive note. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know, we do it honorable, dishonorable for most franchises, uh, and. Honorable and dishonorable determines, or, or it's determined based off how a movie ends. If if the story is conclusive, or if it leaves leaves loose ends that need to be addressed. Well, technically, and, the uh, franchise, and with the asterisk of we're excluding the direct to DVD yeah. stuff or direct. And normally, I don't do honorable or dishonorable for one offs like this unless it's blatantly obvious that it wanted to continue. Which this one was. I, I don't think it was blatantly obvious. They they did want another one, right? Yeah, they they did. They wanted to continue the franchise, not necessarily with a second movie, but well, with either the TV way, show. if we had to, I would say it was honorable because yeah. it did conclude. Yep. It ends conclusively. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's it for Atlantis. Next week, we're talking about Prince of Egypt. Oh, Prince of Egypt. Yeah. So we did Disney, and now we're going into DreamWorks. Getting that D, huh? Getting that D. Well, we already had the D. We're getting a I different know. D. <laughs> <I don't, laughs> there, weird. there we go. I don't like double that. Double there, there you go. A double uh, down. Yeah, Prince of Egypt. This will be a... We're kind of going to do three DreamWorks films in a row that kind of encapsulate the... You know, DreamWorks' stab at 2D animation to, I guess, compete with Disney, but maybe appeal to a slightly more adult crowd, but still family audiences. Uh, so yeah, it'll be Prince of Egypt, and uh, we'll kind of leave y'all in suspense as to what the other two will be. So yeah, next week, Prince of Egypt. Goodbye, guys. Bye. Bye. Hey, look, I made a bridge. It only took me, like, what, 10 seconds? 11 tops? <laughs> <laughs>